the Mexican, who's familiar with death, jokes about it, caresses it, sleeps with it, celebrates it. It is one of his toys and his most steadfast love. True, there is as much fear in his attitude as in that of others, but at least death is not hidden away. He looks at it face to face, with impatience, disdain, or irony. The Mexican's indifference toward death is fostered by his indifference toward life. He views not only death but also life as non-transcendent. It is natural, even desirable to die, and the sooner the better. We kill life because life, our own or another's, is of no value. Life and death are inseparable, and when the former lacks meaning, the latter becomes equally meaningless. Mexican death is a mirror of Mexican life, and the Mexican shuts himself away and ignores both of them. Our contempt for death is not at odds with the cult we have made of it. This passage comes from Octavio Paz's Labyrinth of Solitude, as quoted in Sugar Colonialism and Death on the Origins of Mexico's Day of the Dead by Stanley Brandis. This is Monstras. Like I was saying, I hate the train. So if anyone can hear the train, I apologize. I live right next to a train track. Um, and I can't stop it. I've tried. Have you really? <laughs> <It gets> the... <laughs> I've tried. Um, <laughs> maybe, okay, maybe not. Like, if I tried harder, I would probably commit some sort of terrorist attack against the train. Oh my so god, please do that. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> okay, I promise I won't. <laughs> We're going to get shut <laughs> down before we even have any listeners. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's like, hey, that's how we increase our popularity. I have to I have to actually commit some sort of terrorist act. Because then they'll be like, oh, did you hear about the girl who, like, committed that terrorist attack? Just so she could record um, her podcast. <laughs> just so she could get more followers on her podcast. No, what- it would be... It would be terrible. Yeah. Um. So, I was talking to you about Dartmouth, and... Because you're at... You were there. Yes. And there was some sort of shooting. Yes. Um. So... What happened? It was like one person or like one guy or I think it was like a drive-by sort of thing. Uh, they have drive-by shootings at Dartmouth? I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> they don't. It was just this one. Um It was over what? Over what? Like what why would you sh- drive by a a, a, a you know, an, well, I a college. Okay, so maybe not a drive-by, but it was like a one of those like it was just random. Like, some dude had a gun and was just shooting it randomly and then decided to shoot somebody. Was oh my how it God. happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So, the only reason I also bring it up is because I 
earlier this week I went to see David Hogg. And David Hogg is the very young 17-year-old activist and survivor of the Parkland shooting in Florida uh, like last year. I actually got my book from him signed. Um, where is it? It's somewhere around here. It's a very tiny book. See, I have a book. It's a tiny little book and I got it signed by him. Um, he did misspell my name. Now I've just opened the book and I have noticed that he's misspelled my name. How did he spell it? <laughs> okay. Um, he spelled it like the government spelt my name when I was born, uh, which was incorrectly. So my mm. name in my official papers, like, is all misspelled. But he added a Q to my last name. Oh. So instead of Salguero, it's Salquero. Salguero. I guess that's not too f- bad. It's not bad. But... It's not your name, but it's not bad. as I opened it now. I'm like so disappointed. I wrote it down. I wrote the name down too. Maybe maybe my writing was terrible. Anyways, it doesn't matter. How he's was, awesome. How was the talk? The talk was amazing. He did a really good job and he's a good speaker. I I commend him for being a 17-year-old who is basically the enemy of the NRA. Like, he was talking about how he's gotten death threats from people with NRA. Like, people have shown up at his hotel that he was staying at. Um, And actually, the dude was Facebook-living the incident and was saying, come, this is where they're staying at. Come shoot them. Oh, my God. Come kill them. It's insane. And, you know, to me, you're not making any change unless you're pissing people off and if you're pissing people off that means you're doing something you more than likely as an activist are doing something right so i commend him i was like cool yeah it's definitely brave it's very brave so it was really nice meeting him and he's a sweetheart so sorry i keep burping again once again because i ate a ton of pancakes this morning um, and I'm so hungry. Uh, I was very hungry. Are you so hungry? I'm still hungry. No, you know, I ate, I, I had to even like, I had to like borrow an egg from my neighbor because I was like, I don't have any eggs. And then I ate some ba- bacon and the bacon, I don't know, you know, it might have been questionable bacon. I have no idea. Oh my gosh. But we'll, we're, I risk it, you know, I play fast and dirty. I With your food. I, with my food i live on the edge that's the here. one thing that you should not play fast and dirty <laughs> fast maybe but not dirty <laughs> you're probably right <laughs> um oh and also speaking of fast and dirty it was my birthday recently whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. it looked like y'all had fun i had a lot of fun uh and it was your birthday recently too mm-hmm. yeah did Mine we did we record? Was that yours before mine or after your mine? Mine was on the 21st. Oh, okay. Mine was on the 30th. I think we recorded before mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, happy yeah. belated birthday. Thank you. Likewise. So you're a Sagittarius? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And you're a Scorpio. Yeah. Did we mention this before? We might have. It <laughs> Oh, I mean, if, if we can't even remember what we talked about, 
how do we expect I'm never going to gonna people? <laughs> I'm never going to remember. Like, that's yeah. just final, final thing is, like, I'm never going to remember. Uh, anyways, we should probably introduce ourselves and... Okay. I guess. Also, uh, talk about what we're going to be talking about today. So, anyways, welcome. This is Monstras. This is our, what, fourth episode, I guess? I don't know. I've lost count. Um... <laughs> And my name is, I'm one of your hosts, um, my name is Brenda Salguero, and with me today is... Um, my name is Orquidea Morales, and I love that by the fourth episode we already forgot how many we're in. <laughs> if we make it past 20, we're going to be like, we've been doing hundreds of these. <laughs> we're going to be so confused, <laughs> so confused. But anyways, this is a podcast, if you didn't realize it, about uh, monsters and Latin American monsters. And today we're going to be talking about Dia de los Muertos. And I know, not quite a monster again. Just like, kind of like the ancient aliens one, but eh. This one's actually been, I really like Dia de los Muertos. Like many, you know, many of us know that Dia de los Muertos is a celebration of our ancestors, of those that have passed away. But really, for Dia de los Muertos, um, for the people of Latin America, particularly in like Mexico and in Central America, and more recently for Mexican Americans, it's um, it's more about grieving the loss. It's it's rather than grieving about someone who has passed on, a friend, a family. These folks, or us, I guess, commemorate the lives of the dearly departed and welcome the return of their spirits. So, like, essentially, it's the day, it's two days in the year where people come back from the land of the dead. And the presence of this tradition has grown significantly in the U.S. with the rise of, like, Latino, Latinas, populations. And also, it has begun to leak into popular culture, which is super interesting, um, and usually there's an altar or a celebration in the cemetery or both that take place, traditionally at least. Um, but I wanted to also ask you really quickly, Orkidia, like, why did you want to, because you picked this topic, so why did you want to do this? So, okay, first I wanted to say, like, I know our name is Monstras, but when some, one of my cousins asked me, like, because I asked him to suggest monsters and stuff. And he was just like, well, does it have to be a female monster? And my response is no. We're monstras because we talk about weird, creepy shit from a feminist, Latina feminist perspective. So maybe that's why, like, we can say Dia de los Muertos falls under that. Because we're definitely oh, going to talk about it from a Latina feminist perspective. <laughs> <laughs> this is your argument? That, that is my <laughs> argument. I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting topic and I, I, like I said, or I will say later also, I'll go into uh, my own experiences with Dia de los Muertos, especially in relation to my thesis topic mm -hmm. for my master's degree that I, I had to write. <laughs> I had to study this, so <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah, I really, I really like it. I, I'm really fascinated by its history. Um and and it's really interesting just to think about how different cultures and different countries mourn and think about death. So that's something we can definitely touch on on other episodes. 
but Dia de los Muertos, mm-hmm. I just love the aesthetic too. Like I'm a goth girl, but <laughs> you are. I'm also Mexican, so like the the Day of the Dead aesthetic just fits perfectly with uh, yeah. my goth aesthetic. Um, so I think for today we're gonna talk about three main aspects of Day of the Dead in relationship to Mexico and the U.S. Um, so we're gonna talk about the history of the holiday, and you're gonna touch on like the indigenous part of that for sure. And then we'll jump ahead and trace the way it's migrated from Mexico to the U.S. And then we'll talk about Day of the Dead now. Uh, so I guess we can start off by th- just kind of mentioning how we each celebrate Day of the Dead. Um, yeah. So for my family, we don't really have too many traditions uh, per se. Like I feel like a lot of them were lost in the transition to the United States. And so I didn't grow up with any of it. Uh, my parents were like, you're, you're not Salvadorian. You're, you're a hundred percent, uh, U.S. citizen. Like you don't, don't even talk about that culture. It's, it's beyond you. It's like past you. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really grow up with much, but obviously people still carry those things and traditions in their heart. And so they still practice them to a certain degree. So my parents actually have an altar at home. And it has three people on it. And it's a very small altar. It's like a little tiny little wooden. I remember my mother used it as a sewing table. And it, it's really tiny. And on top of it is three different people. So one of them is my Tio Noe. Uh, my Tio Noe died in Australia um, with, due to skin cancer, I believe. And that's a huge problem in Australia. Everyone gets skin cancer. Then... Uh, my other uncle, who is my uncle Douglas, mi tío Douglas, uh, he was beaten to death in El Salvador, so he's also on there. And that's a really interesting story that I will go into maybe someday. And then my dog. My dog's on there too. So, it's, <laughs> so they have like pictures of all three on this little like tiny altar that just is there year round. And I don't think they call it an altar. They just have it as a commemoration. So it's 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 interesting, to say the least. And I, I think that's definitely what an altar is. It's to commemorate. So And we all do it differently, um, which is yeah. what's beautiful about it. I think for me, um, so growing up on the border, we didn't celebrate, do the big celebration that people see on TV with all the flowers and shit like that. Um, mm-hmm. But we would go to the cemeteries um we usually like had pictures and some candles and stuff like that um and I also did want to say so one of my great aunts just passed away I just found out a few days Mm. ago um yeah she she's older not she was late 60s early 70s so really so yeah that's not too old yeah um but she recently passed away so I was hoping we could dedicate this in her honor since we're talking about day of the dead uh dedicate this episode um in her memory of course since i couldn't go to the the what's it called the wake the funeral the funeral oh the wake either one um, it's in monterrey one. i'm not gonna make it <laughs> i'm too far monterrey, away monterrey monterrey Me- mexico right oh yeah monterrey mexico yeah okay yeah. i was trying to figure out i was like if it's monterey like california i can just go down there for you no <laughs> <laughs> 
no. and like live stream the whole thing for you. No. Like I was like, oh, I'm right there. De- oh, Mon- Monterrey, Monterrey, Me- Mexico. Yeah, yeah. that's different. Yeah, I would love to dedicate it to your to your aunt. Yes. Thank so this you. we'll put it um we'll put it in the description and stuff for your tia tia Luz. My tia Luz. Yeah, yeah. She was the on my mom's side, the youngest of the siblings. Um, and the one that looks most like my grandma, who I only met for a year. She passed away when I, right after my first birthday. Wow. So, so you barely, you don't remember her then. No, I don't. I just know what mom tells me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, that's really sad. But yes, let's dedicate it because it's the perfect topic. I know. Yeah. Let's go into a little bit of the background. Yeah, so um, as we've said, Day of the Dead is a celebration of those that have passed, so like a moment to commemorate. Um, it's more than 500 years old, or forms of it is more than 500 years old. Um, I don't want people to think that it always looked like this, because it didn't, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yep. Um, in Mexico, it's a syncretic celebration, so it mixes pre-conquest beliefs and Catholicism. Which is kind of interesting because I think that's what your family is doing, you know. Like, really? Yeah. Like that idea of like, this isn't from El Salvador, even though it is, right? It is, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're in denial. They they think that it's not. And it's like, no, this is an altar. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 it's not an altar. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's an altar. But that's understandable. <laughs> like, I, I didn't grow up like that, thankfully, but I know people that did and it's just racism is yeah. hard to deal with so you you have to hide your identity um and i think this is one of the moments where you can still have your culture just name it differently yeah um, exactly okay oh and so day of the dead is a occasion to marked uh marked by festive celebrations to honor the dead so parties and things like that uh, mm-hmm. And what we did want to talk about, um, and I think this is where the feminist Latina perspective comes in. We're going to talk about <laughs> <Good>. colonization. <laughs> yeah, we every episode, we should just make, change all the episode titles and just say colonization, colonization, colonization. Every single topic is going to be about colonization. And I think it's, it's one of those things like we celebrate the way we do because of what happened in our history. So that is a big part of the history we have to talk you can't about es- it. Yeah, you really just cannot escape it. Yeah. So one of the main tools um, often used in colonization was the superimposing beliefs over already existing ones. So it was easier for people to get people to convert if the holidays or the deities looked the same. They were around similar days, things like that. So speaking similar languages is the idea. Mm-hmm. So, so, for example, many people say that the Virgen de Guadalupe, Virgin Mary... Uh, took mm-hmm. such a stronghold in Mexico because of the Aztec di- deity Tonantzin, who was also this like mother great goddess figure. Oh. So the idea is that Guadalupe or La Virgen de Guadalupe is like superimposed on histories of Tonantzin so that the indigenous communities could understand her and take her in um, more quickly and without fighting yeah. back. Um, so, like, La Basilica de Guadalupe is the, the big church dedicated to the Virgin in Mexico City. It's huge. Wow. Um, and that's where they have the the shroud. Um, do you... What's his name? Juan, Jesus? No. 
Juan Diego? Yeah. Juan Diego. Who's Juan Diego? Oh, okay. I'm going to go to hell for not knowing this. I went to catechism. I, su- I should know this shit. <laughs> I didn't. I gave up. My parents pulled me out and, and gave up on it halfway through. So that shows you how Catholic they are. I know. They were <laughs> they like, just we're not going to do this. <laughs> we're not going to do this. I was the oldest person in Cath- in in the Catholic. What is it? What is it called? Catholicism? I don't know. That's exactly um, what they're called. There's probably some people out there like just cursing my name already. Cacacism. Um I feel like a lot of children would agree with you. They'd be like, that's what it was. That's what we're doing. Oh my god, it was ridiculous. I was the oldest person in that class because it was me and my sister. And on top of that, I asked the teacher, I was like, hey, you know, what about the dinosaurs? Where were they in the Garden of Eden? And she was like, she stared at me for what felt like 10 minutes. Um, And then she goes, ask the priest. And I was like, (laughs) bitch, I'm not going to ask the priest. (laughs) I I want you to think for a second that you just referred to a nun. She wasn't a nun. She was no nun. She didn't wear the nun garb, okay? She was a volunteer, a religious little like little Hispanic Latina like volunteer who didn't know where the dinosaurs were at. And that they uh the dinosaurs were part of God's plan and they came they stayed in Noah put them in the ark. Just, that's true. Just letting the velociraptor. You know. Yeah. <laughs> they they all My... they all heard the, the voice of God and were peaceful during um the 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 what is it called the flood, the flood the flood yeah. yeah I can I can I can try I was like you know Noah can try to put a big ass T Rex on his goddamn ark. He can also try putting a stegosaurus on there, a brontosaurus. Oh, my God. Anyways, I can talk about dinosaurs all day because I love dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you're just naming them one after the other. (laughs) I was like, let me tell you, let me tell you. And also, brontosaurus isn't brontosaurus anymore because, anyways. Um, Keep going with Mexico City. Okay, so the the legend is, his name is Juan Diego, and he was like a peasant and um, uh, Indian. In Mexico mm-hmm. City, or what was Mexico City post conquest, and um, he performed. I should know this better because it's like one of the foundational myths in Mexican identity. Oh, so what ended up happening is he had to prove that he had been talking to the Virgin Mary, and if for some reason it was snowing and he had to go to the mm-hmm. hill, and then he found some flowers there, some roses, of course. Yeah, and then he has he came back with them, and then when he opened his like dress, his shroud, on it was the the face of the Virgin Mary. It was a painting of her. Oh, yeah. So that's what they have there. That's the artifact that they have at, at the Basilica. And again, I'm not doing it justice. Uh, okay, real believers, <laughs> I'm sure know this a lot better than I do. But that's the general idea. There were there were roses, okay. the sky, and now her face. And that's where yeah. that's where they built the church. Cool. Everyone, okay. everyone goes there. Like, um, I'm sure you've seen images of like people like kneeling all the way to the church and all that. Yeah. Sort of stuff. And there's also that episode in 
Breaking Bad, where the brothers, the drug runner brothers, crawl to the the shrine. And I think mm-hmm. that's a tradition in New Mexico also, because I was reading about it at one time. I don't know what tradition that is. Like, who are they crawling to? Jesus? Is it Jesus again? I think they're, it's probably the Virgin. Oh, okay. Um, and it's just a way of doing penitence. Like, you know, you're suffering so that she will grant you what you need. Wishes. I didn't want to say that. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of what it is, though. But anyways, <laughs> I'm super atheistic here. Super atheist right here. So just a discretion. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so that's um, where he found the roses. That's where they built this shrine to the Virgin Mary. That was also the place where allegedly there was a temple to Tonatzin, the Aztec deity. So they used one myth, one legend, and superimposed it another one to make um, this syncretic or like this mixed religious belief. So anyway, that is how Day of the Dead was cemented into Mexican culture using like pre-conquest and European imagery pushed together to create something new. Um, yeah. Which is why... And I have... Oh, go ahead. Actually, I have a question. So who... Yeah. What was the Tonantzin, mm-hmm. the goddess of... She was just like the goddess creator sort of thing, like one of the top layers. I don't know. She was the top dog. She was like the, in the... A, a mother goddess sort of thing, like a mother figure. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Now I'm picturing like in fighting games or whatever where they have like the top tier. They're like the big <laughs> ones. Like the, the, last, the last one you fight. What are they called? I main I main Tonantzin. That's my main. Yeah. So that's that's who I main all the time whenever I, I play this fighting game. That's that's what we sound like now. <laughs> We're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Tonantzin's gonna murder us. She is. Uh, <laughs> she's fierce. Yeah, that, I'm not. I'm. I'm not messing with her. I know. Oh well, I guess I kind of am. You but, are. Oh goddamn. And her it. superpower Shit. is like when she and Lavi can come together, and they like morph like in Power Rangers to create the giant robot. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> That's like multiple shows you're referencing. <laughs> Don't even though yes, no Power Rangers. Yes, they did. They did morph into. But now I'm thinking of Voltron, and now I'm also thinking of. Dragon Ball Z, all kind of mixed. Maybe I'm the one who's mixing everything yeah, together. Yeah, because <laughs> I only know Power Rangers. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> I'm a big nerd, so I know everything. I know all the nerd shit. That's, That's where I stopped. So you were so one of the things that you uh, also mentioned, like this mixture, mm-hmm. but that's why. Day of the Dead is actually celebrated on November 1st and 2nd because it corresponds with the Roman Catholic. I don't know this word. Uh, liturgical. Liturgical? Liturgical. Liturgical. Okay, I'll stop. Some cuckaism. Okay, I'll stop. Anyways. November 1st and 2nd, because All Saints and All Souls Day. All Souls Day. Okay. (laughs) Great. Uh, We're having too much fun. Stop. I know. We're Uh, talking... This is... I think this is the episode we've laughed the most, and we're talking about death. 
<laughs> I know, but this is so indicative of the attitude that Latinos take and like Mexicans and like Central Americans take towards death. That is not, it's, it's a celebration of life. And I, I do think, okay, let me just say this one story and then we'll get back to the background. Okay. okay if that's okay. okay. That's fine. <laughs> it's, is it short? Huh? Is it short? Is it short? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just want to say okay. that um, my family is really morbid. And my mom never realized how morbid she was. Like, I kept pointing it out. Like, you are a weird lady. She's like, <laughs> no, I'm not. But she has her plot picked out. She has her, like, headstone picked out. Everything's wow. paid for. Um, she's got, She has it set up so that they move her body from the U.S. to that's Mexico. That's not weird. That's not weird. That's that's prepared. How many people She's have prepared. And they talk about it. She's they like, what? She's like, okay, when I die, this is going to go to you. This is going to go to you. And you're going to miss oh, wow. me so much. <laughs> so, yeah. We're a morbid my parents, family. My parents. So when I bring up that kind of conversation to my parents, my, my father's reaction is, it doesn't matter. Just throw my body in the street. I feel like that would and be I'm your like... reaction. <laughs> and I'll switch. But why? I, I'm just so confused every time he says that because I don't understand. A, it's illegal. Think of and all the B, fines. Think about me and how much I have to pay for your dead body to be like rolling around the street. <laughs> like, what if a car hits it? What, if, what a mess. What if his body damages someone's car? <laughs> I can't pay for those things. Like, this man is going to put me in debt. So anyways, that's what my dad, my dad's solution was like. Either throw me in the, in the, on the street or bury me in the backyard with the dogs or something. And I was like, whatever. Your plan is no plan. At least your mother has a plan. Yeah. My parents have no plan. It's, it's me throwing their body out. That's their plan. Okay. It's stupid. Anyways, I take continue. it back. I, I don't mind my mom's plan. <laughs> <laughs> you should be happy with your mom's plan. <laughs> okay, so speaking of cemeteries and plots. <laughs> oh, good. Good segue. Yes, I tried. Uh, so for Day of the Dead, uh, when it's celebrated, the idea is you go to the cemetery and you, you spend time with that relative, family member, friend that has passed away and you, you clean their house. So you clean the, 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 the area and you decorate it and you bring food and candies and, and you make an altar there for them and you just hang out and, and chill like you were visiting them and spend time together. Um, there's always candles and flowers and incense and things like that. Um, so it's a moment like of, of happiness and of remembering um, the good times and of remembering what that person did for you and, and celebrating memory, which is really important, right? Uh, way yeah. To, because especially like I never met my grandma. So when I hear stories about her, that's kind of how I know her. So it's really important for some of us. Uh, in Mesoamerica, yeah. indigenous communities had numerous rituals to commemorate the dead. So they had something called Mikailuotontli. Okay. I'm so glad you can't pronounce that either. <laughs> Let me try again. 
Oh, oh, you're like getting ready. I know. Like, let me get ready. close to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> let me stretch. Get ready for this word. Okay. Okay. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> the moment it's true that you couldn't do it. So they celebrated something called Mikhail Ultontli, or the Grand Feast of the Dead, where the Lady of the Dead, Mikdekaxiwatl, would preside oh uh, over wow. the festival. I'm and impressed. Live. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> that is a lot of k sounds. It's a lot of k sounds. It's Mikhail Ultontli and Mikdekaxiwatl. Mm-hmm. I can say Uatl, but I can't do the rest. There's a lot of... Nuatl? Is it Nuatl? No. What's the language? Nauti. The Aztec? Nautl? 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 Yeah. That has a lot of freaking harsh sounds. Yeah. The k- and the tls are hard. Oh, Nahuatl. Nahuatl. So, um, the indigenous ritual used copal, and, and, uh, which is a resin derived from a tree. And they burn it to attract the dead. It smells really nice. We used to do this. Did you ever do that? Like, um, we didn't do it for Day of the Dead, but around New Year's, my mom would burn copal around the house. So, like, on a pan and just smoke the house out. Oh, no. To get all the bad spirits out. (laughs) I've heard people do that with sage. Yeah. But my parents, my parents never did that. No, my mom always did that. It was like smoky in there. We were dying. It was awesome. <laughs> but it's it smells good. I've smelt it at like um at uh Aztec like uh Aztec performances. Mm-hmm. They burn it and it smells delicious. Yeah, it's really good. Um and they would also have Sempasuchil or the marigold, which is in a really important flower because of the scent, which is supposed to attract the dead. Uh and people would dance and feast and just have a good time. And side note, Sempasuchil, I finally learned how to say it. I couldn't say it for the longest time because it is a very difficult word to say. If people at home want to try it, it's Sempasuchil. Mm. And it was very difficult for me. It was taught to me by kindergartners when I was doing a tour because I worked at a museum. And these kindergartners were beating me at saying all of these Aztec names. And I was like, God damn it. I felt so embarrassed. Anyways. It's because they don't I, have I, shame yet. They're yeah, willing exactly. to try more things. That's true. And 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 I love, to me, the aesthetic of the marigold is gorgeous. That's my favorite part. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Um, and so one example. So we were talking about the dancing and the feasting and all that stuff. So one example of this, according to Diego Duran, who is a 16th century Spanish priest, the Aztecs would bring offerings of food to the altars in honor of the dead. So they would place like these small clay figures that were supposed to represent the deceased, not the diseased, the deceased on these same altars to the Aztecs, the Maya, and other indigenous people of Latin America, keeping this kind of harmony and balance between the worlds of the living and the dead were super important prior to the Europeans invading. So the Aztecs, also known as the Mexica, which I hope I'm saying that right. Yes. Okay, good. Also had a really... So this is something that I 
researched and found super, super interesting. So they also had a really, really cool relationship with dogs or companions called, um, oh shit, uh, Zoloitskuntil. Oh no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that right. (laughs) I think it's Choloitskuntli. Oh God. Choloitskuntli. Yeah. The X is a ch sound. Oh my god. Anyways, it's short for they just call it Zolo for short because that is way easier. Um they so, thought so too. <laughs> yeah, I know. So and it's actually a specific um they had a relationship with this dog and the companions were called this, but there's actually a breed of dog called Zolo. Uh specifically. And it's like kind of hairless. It's really kind of weird looking, um, but cute. It's very, actually, it's very, very, very intelligent. Um, it's a very intelligent dog. And also another sad fact, the conquistadores almost ate this dog to extinction. Um, but the dog itself was af- often sacrificed and buried along with the owner of the deceased so that they could act as guides to the underworld. So they were super, super important. Like the Egyptians so, and cats? Yes, exactly. So they were just companions. They were super cute. And they also believed, so this is the, the, the Aztec specifically, but they also believed uh, that unlike the concept of like heaven or hell, which came from Europe, indigenous people automatically assumed that their loved ones went to a happier place and were free from like the stupid burdens that you are, that you have as a living person. And this is actually reflected in my parents. It's themselves. Like a lot of the times they're like, oh, death is such a release. I can't wait to die, like all these different things that they would say because they're like, oh, I will finally be able to rest when I'm dead. So talk about morbid, uh, your mother. (laughs) Yeah, that's why my my family talks. So the afterworld for indigenous peoples was not terrible. It was actually very peaceful. Uh, Europeans, you know, really developed a terrible view of the afterlife for some god-awful reason. And just to quote someone who, uh, a Guatemalan from one of the books that I was reading that I'll mention later, that kind of summarizes Day of the Dead. It says, Day of the Dead here is similar to Thanksgiving in the United States because people travel across the country to be reunited with their family members, living and dead. That's so awesome. So one of the most interesting facts that I found also was that the most elaborate altars were created around harvest times. So the big altars, the beautiful altars were, obviously that makes sense because that's when you have the most food and the most bounty of things. And so these altars, these huge altars were created because indigenous people believed that because the ancestors were deeply involved with a family's ability to reproduce, people constructed altars and performed fertility dances during these big harvest times. So, of course, I had to mention ghost sex watching. Always. So, you have sex. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> because it's funny to me. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's voyeuristic ghost. My friend, a friend of mine, oh, you know what? Was I ghost tell sex her. watching? It was ghost sex watching. Well, she's trying to write a novel that. I'm not going to give the plot away because she's going to kill me because she's like, copyright, copyright. Um, 
but it has to do with like ghost sex. So, so just, just and then so on these altars were the ghosts having sex or were they just watching the people having no, sex going they were oh, just we'll watching. give them a better harvest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it's good, we'll they give were... them a better harvest. <laughs> we're going to we're going to give them a better harvest, but also we're going to make them fertile. Okay. So this woman or this man or whoever they're going to have sex and they're going to have babies, many babies. Okay. So it's like this tying in. So essentially for young indigenous villagers this this time also was the time that you performed courtship rituals. So like for instance in Peru, I found this super interesting. For instance in Peru, men would bring a cake in the shape of a baby to their girlfriend. Isn't that insane? <laughs> I I want to be courted like that. <laughs> It's the only way I accept a man anymore. <laughs> you have to make me a baby cake. Yeah. Oh, man. And so they then they would serenade their girlfriends at dawn, which sounds super annoying. Yeah. Anyways, Mesoamericans, like most other people of Latin America, like they lived in agricultural societies. So fertility of the land and the continuance of like family lineages and stuff to work that land were super, super important. So through these like, really interesting rituals of fertility and death you kind of see how indigenous people viewed life and death it's simply just a cycle so in some regions of mexico even today along with peru bolivia and ecuador dia de los muertos bread in the shape of a baby is placed on an altar so not only do you just there's a lot of baby shaped bread let's just say that much there's a lot of baby shaped bread but this is why you see the reoccurring so i don't know if people at home maybe have seen this but there is always for dia de los muertos there's this figure of this groom and this bride these skeletal bride and groom that walk mostly hand in hand or sometimes you'll see them at um different uh portrayals as drawn by posada but that's why it's kind of the symbolic of the circle of life it's like this bride and groom who are starting their life who are full of fertility i guess and I really thought for a second you were going to do Circle of Life Lion King style. I really wanted to. I'm really disappointed remember. that you didn't. I don't remember any of I know. I don't remember any of the lyrics. <laughs> it's it's like it's a circle of life. Something something something. I think I don't remember. <laughs> all i know is the circle of life. that's all you, you have to look, hold up your fake baby yeah my bed my bread baby hold up just hold up baby. the bread baby and just sing the song See, maybe that's that, that's what the people were um the serenade that's what it was they're holding up their cake baby and going it's the circle, the circle of, life. of life so you have to have sex with me even though the ghosts are watching (laughs) even though the ghosts are watching oh god i don't even know that's not even on rhythm anymore oh my gosh (laughs) anyways let's go on and talk about the next okay portion of our history lesson here so that's that's basically what the indigenous folks believed but i did mention posada yes and posada was a big had a big role in in Day of the Dead, didn't he? Yeah, and I think when people think about Day of the Dead, they're usually picturing the Posada imagery. Um, so he was a artist, printmaker, and satirist. I love that word. 
Saddest. <laughs> uh, he was born in 1852, and by his late 30s, he moved to Mexico City, uh, where he worked for different publications like La Patria Ilustrada and La Juventud Ilustrada. So he would make broadsheets, which are like newspapers, except they're just like one-sided, really big. And his mm. were usually like human interest pieces and just like general fun gossip is what it sounded like and chisme, which is really cool. Uh, so it had illustrations that he would do and then news updates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then he worked for other people that did uh, brought sheets. Oh, sweet. I love chisme. I know. Love it. <laughs> Especially if it comes like, can you imagine like you get, you don't get the text, you get a text and then a drawing, like a beautiful art piece of the chisme. Ah. Oh. Amazing. That's what magazines these days should do. It's a lost art. Uh, mm. (laughs) Bring it back. (laughs) Come back, Posada. We need the chisme (laughs) with beautiful beautiful skeletons. (laughs) He only comes back twice a year, okay? So you got to catch him at the right time. Either November 1st or November 2nd. (laughs) (laughs) November 2nd, I'm going to be at his graveside. We're just holding a piece of paper going, please, anything. Please, Talk anything. to me. <laughs> um, so his work, especially the Calaveras and the figure of La Catrina, are really popular. So La Catrina is what, kind of what you're referencing. She has that giant hat with flowers. And she's yeah. this wealthy woman. Um, and what, it, what they really were was his way of poking fun of the government and criticizing the poverty people were living in. So even though she was like beautifully dressed and she thought she was um, upper class, at the end of the day, she's still a calavera. Like she is still dead. Uh, so yeah. the idea is we're Nothing's all going to die. Yeah, exactly. Um, so calaveras, calaveras have two meanings. So calaveras are like the 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 skull and the skeleton. And it's usually mm-hmm. drawn like in really um, humorous and funny ways or grotesque and they're doing everyday activities like dancing and drinking and playing guitar and i guess maybe having sex if that's what you want to i do mean them. that's with what like they're just bones it's a new meaning to boning it's a new meaning to boning but um oh god okay um so but uh, another meaning of calavera is like short poems um, that are funny, that are satires, and I tried to think of some, but I couldn't, because you have to be like off really the top witty. of your head. No, just like I tried to write some for the podcast, but I'm not that witty. Like I'm my... not either. You suggested it, and I was like, no, no way, in Jose, in the world, am I gonna freaking do this? Yeah, so I, <laughs> I can't. I found one. We can read it later. Um, oh, good. But yeah, so so those are the two calaveras. Um, But his are the images and stuff like that. Um, Mm. And they were a reminder that at the end of the day, we all die regardless of class, which is a fun message to have for the kids. It's really great. I like it because if you think about it, think about any pain that you have in your life. Think about like any bullies you had. Just be satisfied in the knowledge that they cannot escape death either. So they're going to die at some point and you can piss on their grave. So... As you would like. Anyways. Posada would agree. Posada, yes. He would be totally fine with it. As yeah. long as I didn't piss in his grave. No. So then 
He passed away in the early 1900s, a few years after the Mexican Revolution began. Uh, but his work actually influenced a lot of well-known Mexican muralists like Diego Rivera um, and Jose Clemente Orozco, who were inspired by his satire and the imagery of death. So, the, the Catrina that we mentioned was originally named La Calavera Garbancera. Yeah. Which was a term used in Posada's day for native Mexicans who scorned their culture and tried to pass as European. Oh, shit. La Catrina mocked people like Porfirio Diaz, a president known for denying his mixteco indigenous roots. Oh, that's interesting. So I did not know that. Uh, clearly, I didn't write any of this. This is everything that Orquidea wrote for me. Um, hey, I wrote, I contributed. No, you um, totally did. It's just funny that you're like discovering it as the audience discovers it. I know. It's just very fascinating. Yeah. So, La Calavera Garbancera. That's yeah. so catchy. That's I like little, that. Like, there should be a like there should be a song for that. I'm sure there is. Uh, so then. In a lot of ways, because of the revolution and artists he influenced, the art he created became a symbol of mestizo Mexican national identity. So post-revolutionary Mexico had a lot of shit going on. And one of the things, one of the main things that the government wanted to do was create a united nation. And in order to do that, they used the idea that all Mexicans were mestizos, European and indigenous mixed. So we're all the same and we're all Mexican regardless of that. So... Day of the Dead and Posada images were used as a cultural icon, a representation to solidify Mexican identity. He brought people together. Well, that's how the government used him, which is ironic considering he was making fun of a government. Yeah. 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 But, you know, Mexicans, it's a squatch aesthetic. You use what you got. Yeah, you gotta get gotta get done. <laughs> so then by the 19th century, there was an attempt to reform the celebration of Day of the Dead and get rid of some of the macabre imagery, but this failed for two main reasons. Good. First, the celebration was a big revenue creator for different towns, so people would... And I've seen that. I, I've had friends who actually have gone to see Day of the Dead celebrations. And so, like today, it, it was, you know, a big moneymaker. Secondly, they were so popular, eliminating them would be politically unsound. Would you say it was po- it would be politically suicidal? Like it would be political suicide? I think so. And I think that's what's so fascinating. So what was going on was like the Mexican government was like, okay, we need to be modern. And this Day of the Dead crap is not modern because it's a bunch of skulls and people are going to think we're weird. So we need to get rid of all the weird skulls. That was the idea behind it. Uh, and everyone was like, dude, these skulls are making shit ton of money and everyone's going to hate you. That's the political <laughs> landscape. That was, oh, wow. So this is just, we just love our skulls too damn much. Yeah. And you can't get rid of them. You can't get That's rid cool. of them. That's cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So I think we're going to move. We were talking about Posada and Day of the Dead. And we're going to move into how the hell did Day of the Dead cross the border when so many people can't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we're going to move on from talking about uh, the Posada era Mm -hmm. going into the Chicano movement and how it jumped. Yeah, it jumped the border. Yeah. 
which is one of my favorite things. I love when culture does that. <laughs> it's great. So, um, so a big impetus behind the movement from Mexico to the U.S. was the Chicano movement. Um, so that's not, not to say that Dead of the Dead imagery, so like Calaveras and things like that, weren't familiar to folks in the U.S. already through immigration and border town contacts. And by the 1930s and 40s, especially around the New Deal era, there was a lot of interest in Mexican folk art by tourists. Mm. So the imagery was there, but it didn't have a hold yet. Um, so the Chicano movement is what made it more visible, which is a little ironic. And we can talk about that when we get to cultural appropriation. Yay! <laughs> Favorite topic. I know. So let me go back a bit. And in 1957, Charles and Ray Eames, who were super influential architectures... Architectures? Architectures? No, I think you're talking about architects. Charles and Ray Eames are super influential architects. Uh, They also do furniture design, industrial design, and manufacturing and photography. So all sorts of cool shit. Um, anyway, in 1957, mm-hmm. they made um, what was almost like a documentary. It's this really short video exploration of Day of the Dead in Mexico. And they released it. It's called Day of the Dead. It's available online. It's 15 minutes. I sent it to you. Did you like it? Uh, you sent it to me? Yes. Okay. No, that's fine. This is... <laughs> I didn't even see it. I think I did, and then I didn't think about it. Okay. It's really... I'll do it later. No, no, it's fine. It's just really cool because it's like... It's just them being tourists and talking about, like, the history of Day of the Dead. So it's a good intro-type video. Mm, we can share it on our Twitter. Okay. So that was happening in 1957. The Chicano movement around that time, uh, a civil rights movement where communities of Mexican descent, primarily in the Southwest, although um, there's a lot of work pointing to how they were in the Midwest and all around, really, but most of it is... Um, when people talk about the Chicano movement, they usually concentrate on the Southwest. So people were organizing to fight for equal rights in education, housing, wages, and all that fun stuff. So these communities were mostly like third, fourth, or fifth generation. And they weren't, all they were asking for is to be seen as citizens, which most of them were, right? So they were asking for the, the rights that other citizens had. Um, so the the usual which example is like Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta and the United Farm Workers Movement. Um, which were part and inspiration of the movement. Uh, So one of the main things they were also fighting for in relation to education was to have them, their, their identity and their culture recognized. Um, And this is where the video comes in. (laughs) Folks are trying to decolonize their knowledge. So they were looking to Mexico and to indigenous cultures for answers to the question, who are we? Right. And that was what the Chicano movement was about. Like, who are we as a people and how are how do we make space for ourselves in the U.S.? And the video by Eames and Eames was provided um, to a lot of these like community members to kind of start understanding what Day of the Dead was. Because some of these people had never mm-hmm. seen Day of the Dead celebrations. They'd never been to Mexico, and it's not something that was celebrated in the U.S. So that's... Well, yeah, you were stripped culturally of your identity and even your name. Exactly. A lot of the times, you know, you weren't Maria, you were Mary. Yeah. You were Mary. <laughs> Anyways. Which is, why, which is what's so interesting, right? So this video that these architects, these artists made in Mexico is what influenced 
this community in a lot of ways and how they use Day of the Dead imagery and all that sort of stuff. Um, so the idea was they were going to use the imagery and celebrate publicly, right? So it wasn't about being in the cemeteries, mm. but how do we include this in public spaces like museums and schools to make our culture visible? So I know you you mentioned your master's thesis. So maybe you can talk yes. about that a little bit, like how Day of the Dead it in actually, the museum. Yeah, because it actually kind of makes sense because one of the people that I interviewed for my master's thesis, he was saying that when he was younger, a lot of the Mexicans in the in his community, and he was in the Southwest, and so a lot of Mexicans in the community would go to the cemetery, they would have picnics, they would do these kind of celebrations, and a lot of people who were non-Latino, non-Chicano, you know, folks would look at them and be like, what the hell? This is weird. Like, you guys are weird. Like, what are you doing? And slowly but surely, though, having it be in the public spaces, like slowly migrating it into museums and having museums play a role made it kind of normal. So museums mostly serve as an avenue or they mostly serve as an avenue for museums to bring better representation of Latino groups in the community. So that's what Dia de los Muertos is for museums. They're a bridge between two different communities that are underrepresented within museum spaces. So Dia de los Muertos was a really good fit for museums because it's so visual and it allows museums to like open its doors to artists, to vendors, and to bring in non-traditional museum audiences. Basically like brown people. Like they were like, in museum speak, non-traditional is everybody who isn't old and white <laughs> so a traditional audience for museums is old people old white people non-traditional is everybody else <laughs> so <laughs> so i also think that this uh reflects uh how do you know dia de los muertos is really celebrated in the u.s versus in mexico so in the book and this is where i got that quote from the guatemalan um, in the book Day of the Dead in the USA, it points out that in the U.S. it is much more secular and cultural celebration rather than a religious celebration. So in Mexico and Latin America, it's way And what's going on today is... One of the most recent and most celebrated examples of Day of the Dead is the film Coco. There was another film, though, which is Book of the Dead, that preceded Coco. Book of Life. And I, Book of Life. God, Jesus, what did I say? Book of, Book of dead. the Dead. Oh, shit. That was... Praise the film's accurate and authentic representation of Day of the Dead in Mexico. Such was the success of the film on both sides. And I know Mexicans loved that film a lot. And they had special screenings about it. I mean, I, I read all about that kind of stuff. It was so successful. It became the highest grossing movie in Mexico. Good job, because that movie started out real bad. Yeah. I... Um, it's... Or the, the origins of how it started or, or how the creative process started was not great. I mean, I think we can say it started off real bad because most people had to watch that stupid Frozen thing anyway before the movie Oh my started. god, you're right! I yeah. hated that Frozen short. Yeah. I was like, what the 
fuck is going on? I will say, so the first time I watched it, I watched it in Spanish. So the short was in Spanish. And it was so oh. much more bearable than in English. I'm just going to say really? that. Oh, yeah. It made a huge difference. Uh, and so I've seen it in English and Spanish. Oh I've God. seen it a few times. And I cried, which is embarrassing. I don't cry. But oh, the... Oh, the 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 movie. The movie. You cried at the movie? I cried at the movie. Or the Frozen short. I cried. What do you? Tr- <laughs> Did you cry from pain? I cried. From Frozen short. There were different tears. I cried from sadness and enjoyment at Coco. Yeah. I did too. I will admit, I don't normally cry, but my friend, um, I have another friend, super white. He was like, "This is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life," <laughs> and I think because. I think he's biased only because he has a daughter now mm-hmm. and a lot of the center the central figure in this movie the, the the name of the movie is a it's about a daughter and a father relationship in the end and so I think that hit him a lot harder too but he was like this movie is the greatest thing I've ever seen it's heart-wrenching and this is a man who I mean he cries all the time so <laughs> you know take it with a grain of salt but he loved this movie so much yeah um, so man, so I, I did, you know, I too really love this movie, the colors, the music, the music, I was listening to it the other day and it just makes you so, um, it just, it just really touches you. And then one of my favorite songs is La Llorona, mm. of course, the world building is amazing. The way that the, that they develop this whole system of like, if your family doesn't remember you, you disappear. It's it. You truly disappear. You truly die, which is so crazy. It's just so crazy. Yeah. So I think it it. With kind of Coco. Okay, so I wanted to talk about Coco because it is a beautiful film, and I'm still conflicted by the fact that I loved it so much. <laughs> Because why? Because <laughs> because it really like gets us because of cultural appropriation. Okay, That's what yeah, we're gonna yeah. be talking about. So, okay. um, in 2013, Disney, which produced Coco, tried to trademark Day of the Dead since oh, they God. were working on a Day of the Dead movie. Uh, people freaked out. I remember this. Yeah, it was awesome. Like. I laughed like nobody's, I like, I cackle laughed. Because I was like, who the hell trademarks a holiday? It's not even a holiday. It's a culture. Like, you're trademarking an entire entire group of people's history and culture. That All the history that we just went through, you were trying to trademark that for a company for yourself. Yeah. That's bullshit. And we did, like, the brief, you know, like, Cliff Notes version. <laughs> Yeah. Of the history. They were trying to appropriate so, or trademark so much. Anyway, people petitioned and there was this online response to the move being like, Disney, what the hell's wrong with you? You're being ridiculous. So they backed down and they decided not to uh, trademark Day of the Dead or not to push to trademark it. Thank God. I know. Uh, Four years later, we have Coco, Disney Pixar's Coco. Um, a movie that many people describe as a love letter to Mexico. Oh, I love that though. I I think that's true. But it's but it's it's hard. And and uh, like a few people that boycotted the movie, um, 
or boycotted the trademark thing, like Lalo Alcaraz were now consultants. They were brought in as consultants. And I know they brought in like uh, a lot of like Latino studies folks and academics, artists. They brought Which is the smart thing to do when you fuck up this bad is you go ahead and, and this is why I think it was a smart move and what made Coco different from anything. It was like, hey, Disney was like, oh shit, we fucked up. Instead of going down this route and saying and ignoring everyone and saying, fuck you, we're going to just do it. They actually went ahead and said, oh, wait, we're doing. It sounds like a lot of people are angry and there must be a reason why they're angry. So we're going to go ahead and actually bring these people to the table and say, why are you angry and how can we do this better? How can we be better? And that to me is the difference between um, true cultural appropriation and, you know, and actually like doing a a having something be true you know beside you know as opposed to cultural appropriation is that you're bringing these people to the table part is or what what's so conflicting is that between within that time span and even before that we saw day of the dead become more visible as um um products for consumption so target walgreens walmart all these sort of places had day of the dead stuff next to their halloween stuff and that would drive me crazy it still does i love it because i can buy it i'm like i'm too far away from mexico to go to mexico so i love that i could go to target and buy day of the dead stuff yeah but it also feels wrong So, I don't buy it. You don't buy for, it? For that reason. I don't buy it for that reason. I was just like, I don't want to buy it from... Excuse me. I had to burp again. Um, I think I bought one piece from Target that I was like, oh, this is good Tupperware. And it had like little dancing, like calaveras and stuff. The pirate. And so I was like, yeah, the pirate. Oh my God. I was like, I'm just buying it for the pirate. even like use the traditions and customs of Dia de los Muertos as a guide to honoring you know one's ancestors but only if you do it genuinely like don't strip this culture from it or don't strip the cultural meaning from this aesthetic Mm -hmm. you know they go hand in hand and that's I think the problem with cultural appropriation is when you strip something from its cultural meaning that's when you're culturally appropriating something. Like, for instance, um, <laughs> I made up this stupid example of, like, instead of calling it churros, oh, you know, I have a churro, I'm making churros, you call it these little new fried worms that you you, you invented or something, you know. <laughs> Would you like a little? Here, I'm going to put my white voice on. I'm going to do my white voice. Hi, Arcadia. Would you like a fried worm? I totally made them the other day. What do you think? Is that good? Like saying that you've created something new yes. that was already there. That that was already there. And it's like, no, bitch, you didn't discover this. My ancestors did. Or hell, I'm rediscovering this. I didn't even have the chance to grow up with this. And now you're taking it away and, and stripping it from its meaning and profiting off of it. Destroying it. it. 
Yeah, profiting, that is the number one thing, is profiting off of it as well. And that's why I'm like, I refuse to buy anything. As tempting as it is, I'm like, oh, this is pretty. I hate it. I hate seeing white people dressed up in calavera makeup. I hate it. But you just said um, it was okay for them to do it. It's okay if you can if you don't strip it from its cultural meaning. Like, I think that, and it's hard, right? It's difficult. And that's why I also have, I hate, I both hate it, but I both also understand it. And I both like it. But if you go to, like, uh, that's why I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool makeup to do. But I don't do it. Even I don't dress up as a calavera or anything like that. Because it's for if it's for Halloween, it's automatically, to me, stripping it from its cultural meaning. Yeah. And so I don't know when... I don't really have the answer for when it would be appropriate to actually do something like that. Would it be at someone's grave? I don't know. I have no idea. It's a hard answer... It's a hard answer to find. Like, I don't I don't know what the true answer is. Yeah. But I, we're still kind of navigating that, I think, ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's what's so interesting about this, because we could make an argument, and I'm not going to make it because I don't want to get in trouble, but we could make an argument <laughs> that the Chicanos were doing a form of cultural appropriation, because they did strip yes. it of the religious sort of indigenous roots in some ways and gave it new ones. But they also had a reason to do that, and it wasn't, like, out of disrespect or anything like that. It was, for me, it's, this conversation about Day of the Dead is really thinking about, it's really important for us to think about that we all celebrate and understand death differently, and that we have to respect that. Um, Exactly. And not assume that the colorful skull means one thing right to everybody and like i can't i don't know if i'm gonna be able to read it so this is a calavera that i found on el país which is a mexican newspaper um and we can i can include the link on the twitter feed and it's called los machistas de las redes or the machistas the sexist men from the web. Mm. I don't know if I can translate all of it, but I'm going to try. Okay. La calaca arte estaba de todos los usuarios que a las mujeres siempre culpaban de ocasionar su propio calvario. A todos esos mansplicadores, la huesuda les envió un cofre lleno de troles, ni un alma sobrevivió. So, <laughs> what it's saying, um, the, the calaca was fucking tired of all the user users that blamed women because of their own shit life <laughs> <laughs> to all those mansplainers the calavera sends them a cofre, a cofre, like a oh what's a cofre um like the wood pirates have uh the the wood pirates have the like where they keep the money yeah, a chest. Okay, so for to- for Totos, for all the mansplainers, the Calavera sends them a chest full of trolls that none of the souls would survive. So, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. I like ending it with that, with like Las Machisas de las Redes. I know. See, I don't know what like a Rede is. I don't know what a Calaca is. A Calaca is just like the 
The skull. The skull, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, that is awesome. I know. This came out in a newspaper? Yeah, yeah. That was in El País. They had different calaveras for, like, modern problems, I guess, or modern issues. And I saw this one. I'm like, yes. So we'll share it. Oh, my God. We'll share it on Oh, yes. We have to share yeah. it. This is awesome. Yeah. Well, I think we should say, we should end it with that, um, with our giant um, rant and also calavera rhyming poem. So we should probably say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Um, please leave a review. Uh, mostly, yeah, just give us a heads up. I, we do have a review, one review, and it was really sweet. It was someone who said that they related to La Llorona and a story about them growing up with La Llorona. Awesome. Shout oh. out to that user. You should definitely leave a review. And if you want to, please tell us or email us and tell us what, how you celebrate Day de los Muertos or give us ideas for monsters in the future that we can discuss. Any other ideas, any other um, uh, feedback, we would just, just let us know. We would appreciate it. Um, any legends you want us to cover. So, you can also connect with us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Monstras Podcast or email us at monstraspodcast at gmail.com. And please stay tuned for our next episode, which should drop in like two weeks, another two weeks, uh, where we will be talking about more skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> did you write that? I did write that. <laughs> We're not going to write more. We're... Is it more skeletons? Oh, yeah. We are.